clubhouse. Lord God, give us rain and a little luck and we'll do the rest. Amen. This is Sheila. This is Steph. Welcome back to the Yellowstone podcast on Pod Clubhouse. How you doing, Steph? Doing pretty good. It's actually been a busy week, which yeah. is weird because I can't go anywhere and do anything. <laughs> but we had my son's ninth birthday. And oh, then, happy birthday! Yeah, he was so excited. We had a huge water slide and then we just had our cousins over. But the cousins stayed. Oh. So I had two extra kids for a few days. <laughs> Oh, for a few days? <laughs> yes. They all had a blast, but like, so that makes five kids total. But that's work. It was a lot. I'm exhausted for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be ready for a break this weekend. We're in the lockdown here in New York, and now, now yeah. we're locking everybody else out. It's like, it's like, oh, you're coming from Florida? Nope. Two-week quarantine. I will find you. It is sad. My poor son is just like, he was running around the backyard today. He was like playing with the dog and like they were rolling around together. I'm like, this poor kid. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, my kids like to, this afternoon, they were just being insane. And my husband was like, what is the deal? I'm like, babe, they have been locked together in a house since the middle of March. Yeah. It is now July. We are entering month four. Like, let's we be real. are getting tired of each other. <laughs> so let's, let's, yeah. just, let's just be real. Like, I, I definitely need to see other people. <laughs> like, I need to do like a family swap. So like whoever yes. can like produce this TV show, be like, you know, Corona, you know, family swap. Let's make that happen. It might be worse on the other side, though. <laughs> it might be. But you know what? It's the brand it's just of crazy. different. It's just different. different you know, yes. it's okay. Your crazy is different than my crazy, but they're both crazy. You know what? I don't even care. Like, I'll just take my family. We'll just go to a different place. I think I need to change the scenery, too. I tried to take everybody to the dog park. Ten minutes, everybody was dying. Like, run, we run, can't run, run. Even the dog who, like, loves going to the dog park, he just, like, stopped. Like, just eh, like, no. Nah. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, it's hot. <laughs> you have central air back home. Can we go back there? <laughs> And popsicles. Everybody gets a popsicle. And then I'm watching Yellowstone and then they're all like in there I with their know. big woolly coats. In the summer, they're like cold. My husband I and I, when we went to Yellowstone, it was in July. Dang, it got into like the 30s at night. Like I woke up the first morning that we were there and it said 39 on my phone. Oh I was like, it is like July, July 28th. So we stayed in the park of Yellowstone, you know, so it was, you know, like a little guest lodge kind of a thing so it was little cabins and it was very quaint and it was very cute but I stepped outside and I was like oh holy Jesus I stepped inside I was like I need I need several more layers because yeah. you know my little tank top cold. pajama bottoms to run up and get a cup of coffee was just not having it yeah I definitely needed like yeah, the, that... the fleece hoodie and uh you know some socks well... <laughs> but then it gets up to like a hundred driving around it was 101 degrees i was just like holy sweet oh jesus and then it's gonna drop like 60 degrees tonight oh my gosh <laughs> that doesn't happen in texas it cools down to 90 at night i would definitely need a lot of layers i would be freezing my husband was like we're going it's summertime we're going to the mountains like i'm not gonna need anything he's like uh, it's hot uh -huh. no so he ended up buying a very expensive yellowstone sweatshirt <laughs> Of course. Of course he did. This is going fast, I feel. Like, we're mm -hmm. at, like, episode three, and there's only ten in the whole season. I don't want it to end already. So this one's called Acceptable Surrenders. Not a lot of action. Yeah. A lot of talky talk. Yep. The plot's getting thicker. There's fallout. I know. I like it. Just fall out all over the place. One of my favorite things about this episode was Jamie. I was so happy to see him be so aggressive. Yes. 
This this was like the anti Jamie. It's like he stepped yes. out of his skin and like zippered up a bit of Casey, a bit of Rip, and a bit of John, like all together. I thought he handled this really well for his position and being a Dutton and trying to sort of protect all these different entities. He manipulated that situation perfectly, I think. So I watched it back a second time because you uh-huh. know you you miss a lot the first time. I'm like, but wait a second, he's got like three different stories. Yes. But I thought he was doing that to play each person into the narrative that made sense for them, that fit them. I agree with that in the sense that like when he was talking to his victim's dad, mm-hmm. like that narrative worked really well for him. Although the one weird thing that when he was talking to the victim's dad about, you know, what happened is that they didn't know that he was, the guys were dead. Right. Because the dad was like, I want to go to the courthouse with a shotgun and, you know, kind of take care of it myself. That was my question. I said, okay, so if nobody else knows these guys are dead, then where are the dead bodies and who's covering that up? And that's kind of weird. So he meets with Steve first. Steve is in lockup and, you know, in the interrogation room, he gets the camera shut off. and (laughs) He walks in, in charge, ready to, like, set this straight. And I like that. Because yeah. he's not been so confident about himself in the last few episodes. Even last season, he was all over the board. He was wishy-washy is how I was yes. describing him. Tried to stand up for himself. And then, you know, somebody stronger than him, Beth or John, usually like, you know, smacked him down. And he was like, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah. And there's usually some sniveling that came right no. after. <laughs> that was more last season. Yes. So when he's talking to Steve, he lays out the plausible story. It was the most unjamie like scene that I think I've ever seen him. He he lays out the version of events basically saying that like it's possible that you know the victims had been roughed up prior to Steve getting there and through the course of his investigation they succumbed to their injuries that were sustained mm-hmm. prior to him. Yeah, he said you avoided an accident. Right. And that pushed them to succumb to their injuries. This is a little bit more season 1 Jamie. Like remember how he did a lot of those like spin the truth yes. type of things. I feel like he's tapping back into that. Mm-hmm. The lawyer side, the like, okay, well, here's your version of the truth. And back when he had like some promise to be on the up and up. <laughs> yeah. But now he knows that this is like his reputation on the line. That was a very strong story. But did you notice what happened in the very beginning? So when he walks in, Steve started to like attack Mm -hmm. him a little bit jamie was just like nope shutting this shit down like i'm not playing like you're not dealing with the old jamie like you're dealing with new jamie's how he came off yeah but like steve was trying to like direct the narrative i felt early on jamie's like nope i know i liked that a lot he's just took over that situation and like here's what you're gonna say burn it yeah burn it into your brain Mm -hmm. right that was very it was very (laughs) strong for someone who's come off as very weak weak yes in much of the writing of this show and then, and then, when the Randy Harper walked into yeah. his office and he threw something at him as hard as he could, I like laughed. I was he like, dented the wall for That's crying awesome. out loud. Like someone's got to come in and spackle that shit now. I loved it. It was hilarious. You know, so I mean, and now Jamie's throwing threats all over the place. I mm-hmm. recorded the phone call. Harper's trying to throw it back saying, I did what you told me to do. And so this story became different. I was a little bit confused at first as why he was telling different stories. 
But then I'm realizing that he's got to make the deputy on the defensive too, that like, this is his fault. Your guy started it. Your deputies right. beat these guys up. They handcuffed them. Yeah. And they were handed off to Steve in a damaged condition. Exactly. So there's no evidence to say yes or no, but now Jamie has Steve who can now lock up like this immunity exactly. deal. Right. So, you know, he's looming this over Randy Harper. Yeah. And he's telling him, I have this phone call recorder where you told me to teach them a lesson. That makes sense for Jamie to do that in this situations. And then it takes a very nasty turn. Jamie asks if the perps are local and they're not. They're from Missouri and Louisiana. Now Jamie concocts story number two where they should be tagged as John Doe's pulled from a ditch and all of a sudden they have a tox screen that's three times the legal limit. Does this guy, Randy Harper, have the bodies? He must if he's telling him to go throw them in a ditch and then find them. So <laughs> yeah, that part was a little weird. Like where, what happened to the people? But where are they right now? And who knows what? Randy is the county district attorney. He's definitely like, know. he's law enforcement. of some Law nature. enforcement, for sure. They mentioned that the victim is a loose end, which anytime there's a loose end in a Dutton, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh God, somebody's going to the <laughs> oh, train <no>. station. <laughs> right? Oh no, not the train station again. Like, she got beat up. Like, don't take her to the train station. <laughs> Because they're like, you know, she saw everything. Uh, I was definitely surprised by how Jamie went to the victim with a little bit more of the truth. Yeah, so now he spins it a third way. So he played the whole like sympathy thing of, you know, someone did this to my sister and we made sure that they're never going to do it again. And the dad said that. He's like, I want to go kill them. He's like, okay, well, here, I've been in that situation. You've let's Let's protect these fathers from, you know, having to ruin their lives. And we right. did, we took care of it for you. He's like playing it that they did a favor for the dad. And I thought it was interesting that he used Beth's story as leverage, sort of stirring the pot a little bit to say like leaving the door open. Is it possible that something more than just a beating happened? Right. You know, that yeah. There was possibly something a little more nefarious that happened. There was mm -hmm. like allusions to and he and the dad fell right into Jamie's trap with this. He was just like, she's not talking about it. Yeah. Using that, I, I feel like Jamie kind of led him down his path. Yes, for sure. Basically knowing that, yeah, I've got your back. And this is where it came out that they didn't know that the perpetrators were dead. Yeah. But yet she saw everything is what Randy and Jamie were just talking about in Jamie's livestock commissioner's office. I was just a little confused by that whole I mean, the events. victim wasn't standing there when they opened the back of the trailer and then they shut it real fast, but it's yeah. her trailer. But then Jamie said like, oh, I brought your trailer back. And he said, oh, I was wondering how long till I get it back. So I guess they just confiscated the trailer, told her it was evidence. Right. Or they needed it for something. And then she didn't know much more than that, probably. Yeah. I think Jamie bringing the dad in and making him a part of it. Uh, let, let's call it what he did. He made him an accessory to murder. <laughs> right? Like, what the hell? He made him clean out the trailer? Yeah. It's disgusting. Like, with, like, a power hose. Ugh. Oh, my God. I don't know how the rest of the country is. I guess law in Montana is very different. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. Like here, you clean it up. Now the dad has a vested interest in keeping that secret. And now like owes Jamie one because like Jamie took yeah. care of. I don't know how you took this. I took it as Jamie was saying to the dad that like I took care of them. Yes. I took care of it for you. Right. And now like the dad is like, I can't wait to repay you a favor. That day will come. He was a mastermind at this. Yeah. So I feel like he's got like the three card Monty <laughs> yeah. like of stories going. But then that's how the governor gets involved. Well, I don't think she is involved. He doesn't know that. He thinks she is. <laughs> 
I love that sort of look, the, the little moment of terror on his face. It's like, oh, shit. Yes, that was definitely the ocean face. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like calling about business and he's like, what the hell? But it was say? late at night, right? It was like this yeah. late night phone call and he's just like, oh, shit. So then he calls Randy and he's like, who have you been talking to? Like, <laughs> I feel like Randy might be a loose end because he's like, you're on your own now. I feel like it was a little too perfectly buttoned up for it to last. Uh. But isn't that kind of how that works for the Dentons? They sort of seem to be able to get out of all this stuff. They are like Teflon. Yeah. It just falls right off. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing sticks to them. I know. We'll see because this sort of brings us into the governor, but the governor has different plans for Jamie. So maybe that's sort of the end of this livestock commissioner for him, maybe. We'll have to see we'll where see. where this goes. The governor rang at late at night to get Jamie involved and she couldn't get John because it went right to voicemail <laughs> because he conveniently moved the camp mm-hmm. out of cell phone range. Let's dive into the governor. This is a bit more complicated than Dan Jenkins. Yeah. And his plans. Yeah. Did you uh, realize that they brought Cassidy Reed back in technically? Yes. Yeah, so they're talking in the governor's uh-huh. office. We found out what happened to her. What happened? She got a big promotion. From the president's office to (laughs) be the deputy attorney general of the United States. Like, what? I just, I, I just love that, like you know the the, the the attorney general Carhartt in Montana. There, he's like, she's thirty, <laughs> right? So Cassie Reed is still there, live and breathing. She did not go to the train station. No, no, she's, she's fine. She, <laughs> she went to Washington D.C., which is probably just as bad, just worse. I think that's right. <laughs> I'd rather go to the train station. Yeah, so she went from being the newly installed attorney general in Montana to like, I don't know what, three months later, we'll say like yeah. the timeline between, you know, the end of season two and like where we're at now. Yeah. So, so she got a huge promotion. Right. So exit Cassidy Reed. <laughs> uh, she's gone. Now there's a new plan. We got to get a new attorney general. This guy is going to stay on until she finds one. She's got to hold a special election, blah, blah, blah. That's like just a side note for her. Right. But then walks Ellis Steele. He's back. And Entourage. He did not come alone. He came armed with like a bunch of suits, maps, and... That makes it official if you have a map. It's a big deal. (laughs) So... What did you think about this plan to build an airport? So they've been talking about the airport now since the last episode, right? But no one's talked about like where. Right. It was implied that it was going to be part of the land that Dan Jenkins had owned with the casino. But obviously there was that cease and desist order. So nobody said where this was. So they lay out the map. The airport is, it is right smack in the middle of the Yellowstone Ranch. I know. Is it the middle? What I thought I saw on the map, it looked like the Yellowstone Ranch was on left left and right of the 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 blue like FAA approved line. So basically no it was going to split the ranch in half is the way that the map looked to me. See, I thought the map said that on the left side was that property that Dan Jenkins had and that where the casino was going to go and it bled into the Yellowstone. So they were going to have to take 12,000 acres at the Yellowstone. The Pleasant Valley sort of development corp is what it was still labeled mm-hmm. on the map. That was like just to the north of where the airport was. Oh, the north. Okay. Yeah. Well, crap. Yeah, but they kept, you know, maneuvering that map around. So it was hard to get a glimpse. I just like literally paused on it. I'm like, oh, 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 
that's what they want to do? Okay. And, you know, so well, that ha- makes me a little bit more upset that it's in the middle of the ranch. Like, there's no way to, like, circumvent that. Like, you're going to split yeah. them down the middle. That's a bigger problem than the big problem we already had. At first, you know, the governor was not so impressed with the initial offerings because they were comparing what they were going to do to, like, Jackson Hole, mm-hmm. which is just south in Wyoming. And she's like, well, that's not a good model for a sustainable business. So was, at first, I didn't think she was going to play ball. Right. But then comes in and drops the big uh, tax dollar revenue. The money. Three to six billion dollars for the state yeah yeah that's a lot that's a lot a lot of money and they weren't asking for that much in terms of investment from the state they needed to land which is not the states to give right (laughs) let's just call it what that is you know they just want some like some tax subsidies okay yeah and then to his point these ranchers in montana are not generating three to six billion dollars in tax revenue for Montana. So as the governor, it makes sense to sign off on this for sure. But she knows that that's not going to fly very well. Yeah. And, you know, she does defend the Dutton saying, well, that's a seven generation family ranch. And and that's sort of the snide remark that Ellis makes about, you know, them not making that kind of money. He's, he throws, you know, well, she can just do eminent domain. She's like, they've beat it. Mm-hmm. It was like, kind of like a feeble, like, eh, we, we can try. Yeah. But I know that she was seeing the potential. It's going to be hard for her to defend, not going yeah. with this plan and too, ellis still mentioned that this land was chosen by the faa so the figureheads here didn't pick this plot either it's sort of like the one and only spot that an airport can fit apparently <laughs> if that is true like i mean if it was the faa approved if that's all legit it like absolves market equities and providence mm-hmm. of any kind of well we're going after that one place but no 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 this is what they told us it was also interesting that the governor mentioned well you know th- did the forest service agree to this mm-hmm. and i'm like sure they did because it's not their purview it's the dutton ranch so like sure like it's not ours to give up this is big yeah so ellis kind of ended it by saying like you know this is the price of progress so that led me back to the conversation that beth and rip had so basically the start of the show starts with like sun up and you see the camp and then it goes over to rip and beth he's talking about like the simpler things and she's all melancholy about like looking out at the ranch and like this isn't going to exist after a couple of generations he's like ah you know people were saying that for a hundred years he said you know a hundred years ago people were going to say the barbed wire was going to destroy the frontier so i feel like like that was like a, like a way to connect sort of like the theme of the show. The only constant is change and there's mm-hmm. innovation. We adapt to what the new normal is, you know, like 20 years ago, like cell phones were something that like you never use. You had one, but you didn't use it. You couldn't send a text message. God forbid. It was like, you know, a hundred million dollars. Now you don't make phone calls. You text everybody. Right. We adjust to what the new normal is. That was an interesting way to kind of weave the theme through. It's like there is a price to progress and we do adapt to what the new normal becomes but it's like do we want to get to what the new normal is like do they want to right. give it up it's just so painful to watch sometimes yeah like just with the landscape around because when we moved into this area there was like this little two-lane road to get to our neighborhood and it was all just surrounded by trees well now all of those trees are gone it is now a huge highway with tons of development around it and yeah it's really convenient to have the grocery store right there and the UPS store and the, you know, shoe store (laughs) and whatever. But it's like, this used to be all beautiful landscape and trees and it was quiet and nice out here. And now there's traffic. It's just hard to watch sometimes. Just to go back to what Ellis said is there is a price to progress. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's convenient, but also then you forsake. But where does it stop? Like, does every inch of the entire world have to be developed into a freaking concrete 
jungle. It's awful sometimes. That's, I that's where I live. I live in a concrete jungle. Yeah. You know, even though I'm in the suburbs, it's still very urbanized where I am. Yes. Like, I don't have to travel more than five minutes to get to a major grocery store, a Target, a Walmart. It's strip mall after strip mall after strip mall. And I literally, within 20 minutes, can get everything you could possibly imagine. I can get yeah. a recliner. I can get, you know, a banana. I can get, you know, shoes. Yeah. But then I have to drive 20 minutes to get to a park. Yes. And it's like surrounded by a gate. <laughs> Open space that me and the other residents of my county can get into, but nobody else. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where's your pass? I got to pay to get onto the beach. I got to pay you parking. Do? I got to pay oh, parking gosh. to get to the beach. Where does it end? Like to your point. Yeah. You know, so they want to build an airport to bring 2 million people a year mm -hmm. to the area. Does that area really need 2 million people? I don't know if you've been up that way. Like I haven't. Part of the charm is how remote it feels. You really feel like you're disconnecting from the world, from life. And you're just like, I laughed out loud, you know, in the last episode when John was walking around with his cell phone. He's like, yep, this is the spot because there's no cell service. Because <laughs> exactly. like my husband and I were like, why is there so much cell service out here? This was in 2012 when we were out that way. Mm -hmm. And like he's walking around and goes like, I have full bars of service. <laughs> <laughs> and we're in the middle of nowhere. The closest thing to us are bears. <laughs> bears. When we first got married, I kept making my husband go on cruises because his phone couldn't ring. His job, he's on the phone all the time. And it's just how it is. It's just part of the job. When I can get him away from his phone, it's like amazing. So I was liking the fact that you go out in the middle of the ocean and nobody can reach you. But now all the boats have Wi-Fi. Free Wi-Fi, whereas you used to have to pay like 30 bucks to yes. get it or whatever. Oh, yeah. I was disappointed. I'm like, well, I don't want to go if there's Wi-Fi. <laughs> like, that defeats the purpose. You it's know, it's funny because like when we had gone to Yellowstone, one of the things that we did notice, we're like, nobody's on their phones. Everyone's engaged like because, I mean, like literally Yellowstone, like the ground beneath you <laughs> could like you know be a geothermal hot well literally like in, in some of the, like the the geyser areas and the little hot springs pools you walk along pathways for you to walk on they're elevated metal pathways so we're walking along these and it's just like looking down there's like a little hot spring bubbling next to you and there's a little sign and it says like the water in here is 211 <gasps> degrees don't touch <laughs> 211 oh my god it's like it's like the reason it's not quite bubbling is because it's not quite boiling Oh my gosh. And we turned a bend at one point. There was a bison just laying there. And we're like, <gasps> we snapped a quick picture and we ran like two <laughs> little New Yorkers ran as fast as we could away because literally you're just there and the animals are just there. Yeah, that's their space. There was just a news article the other day that a woman was gored <gasps> in Yellowstone. That. For getting too close to take pictures. So, you know, I mean, this is relevant to what we're talking about is that like, where does it end? Like, you know, these animals also have to have a space. They're big. They're fast. Like bison gets up to 30 miles an hour in no time. Like I get up to what, five miles an hour? <laughs> you know, when I'm going pretty quick, I don't know what your husband clocks when he jogs, but. Even in the park, like people were getting so close to these animals. Mm. And I'm just like, oh my God. Because, you know, Yellowstone has one road. You drive in and like, you know, if you see a traffic jam, be like, oh, what are we looking at? There's animal. Oh, what's, oh, bison? Cool. And they're like rolling around in the dirt trying to cool themselves off. But like when they get up from like rolling around in the dirt, they start moving really fast. And they don't care if 30 of you tourists have gotten close to take pictures because you thought like this is really cool. And then like they scatter because now the bison are coming their way. <laughs> Didn't they show that in season one, I think, where John pulled over, he saw a bunch of tourists yeah. like 
exactly. literally in a field with a bear. He's like, exactly. what the hell are you doing? It's a bear. And she goes, well, he seems friendly. Yeah. No, they're not like, you know, Yogi Bear. They're not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not eating a picnic basket. No. He's eating you. Yes, exactly. Well, I told the story last week of like in Yellowstone, the wolves had returned yeah. to Yellowstone and they were eating an elk over yonder. I'm like, yeah, let's not give them like dessert. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Let's move along. I even felt like even when we were there that it was the height of summer, it was the end of July that we were there, that there was like so many people. Now, Mm -hmm. I can't imagine like you bringing like two million more people per year to this place. Where would it end? Like a long-winded way to say that that there is a price to progress, but sometimes (laughs) it's not worth it. It's not always a good thing. But who gets to decide that and who gets to say when and how far? And that's what the fight is about. The Duttons get kicked around a little bit behind their backs about being such staunch protectors of their ranch and of their lifestyle. Yes, they're the largest landowners and and in the lower 48. But at the same time, it's like they are stopping that march of humanity. Like, and everything that we do, like we destroy. (laughs) Well, isn't that what John said at the beginning to Tate? He's, you know, this is so hard and you have to fight this and fight that. And he's like, why? He's like, because look at this. Like, this is... Like, it's worth it. He says it's one hell of a life. But you get why they're so protective over their lifestyle and their land. It's like their secret, you know, like how good this is. When when they're not doing all the fighting and stuff like that and like all the defending, like when they have these quiet moments, and I feel like they've had a lot of them so far. The whole thing with the camp at the very beginning with him and Tate mm-hmm. was just so heartwarming. And it was so funny about like, you know, he wanted to mark the territory to protect <laughs> the little baby elk that he knew was in the grass and he spotted the wolf, you know, so he's teaching Tate all these things. And I just feel like he's giving Tate such an education and such fatherly advice. And I, I just feel like he's redeeming whatever he didn't do as a father. And it's just like, they're right. just reminding us, you know, John's retirement. Like they, they brought this up twice in this episode. And like, yeah. he only retired from being livestock commissioner. That's it. That's what I was thinking. I didn't really realize when they, she said like how's forced retirement. I thought, well, wasn't that just like one part of his job? But he seems to have just checked out like he's done <laughs> with all of it. <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because I just thought it was such a, a cute sort of back and forth between them, you know, b- between Mark and the territory. And he's, so he's getting a lesson about that. And then, you know, telling him why this is such a great thing that they're doing because it is one hell of a life. That was a sweet moment. I like when they're at the camp. And then Monica just pops out for a second. It was just like, oh, he's irrigating. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's watering the plants. Okay, so the gov- the governor, she's got to then make this happen, right? Is this all on her to get the Duttons to agree? Or is, I mean, we didn't really hear what the plan was. So she, she did call Jamie to meet and, you know, Jamie had his oh shit, you know, stomach lurch <laughs> moment. Turns out that, you know, she wants to meet about, you know, what had happened with Ellis. Yeah, so in the most condescending way possible, John was like, well, she should come up here if it's so important. And maybe her constituents can see her doing something that they love for a change. Ouch. Yeah. He's like <laughs> not having it. He's like, well, she can come here. So she meets with him at the rodeo. I don't know. How much business can you actually transact? <laughs> to that point, Beth is sitting there and Reb and Casey. And so it's like, this isn't really a conversation to be had at the bleachers at the rodeo right. and then like the people behind you <laughs> right because <laughs> they didn't really clear much of the the space around them but then again what conversation did they have because it was very cryptic yeah there wasn't a lot of anything really 
she's sort of backhandedly like, I got to talk to you about something. And he's like, I don't want to know. And I kind of liked their little playful banter about how about I give you the solution and then tomorrow I'll tell you the problem. Yeah. Which I'm surprised he seemed to agree to that, right? Yeah. He didn't want to hear the problem. He had his little John Dutton witticism. You know, that's the good thing about problems, that there'll still be problems tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure how she framed it. If I don't know how this is going to go down once John hears the whole story. But she's saying that Jamie now needs to move to the attorney general. Right. And Casey needs to move to the livestock commissioner. John says he's not going to do that because I already tried. And she said, well, let me let me say it nicer. Let me put a little sugar on it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is true. Like there's a difference between your dad telling you to do something and then like someone else being like, hey, this would be a good idea. And you're like, oh, that would be a good idea. But if it was my dad's idea, then no. I just find it weird that she calls him the war hero. I don't know. I just felt that that was just weird. Like the war hero. She's like looking at him over there. Isn't it weird when you like know people are talking about you like from across the room? And you have to kind of pretend like you don't like want to know what they're saying right away. Right. Because like, you know, Casey kind of glances back when they do show him for a second. But I'm just wondering like, how does Jamie now as the attorney general play out in this Ellis Steele, Rourke, Providence market equities situation with like the airport. So I I was trying to like figure it out. Like, so whose side is she really on by bringing the Duttons into the conversation front and center in a position to start blocking things? Is she trying to sway them or is she trying to protect them? think she's trying to sway them that I thought she was trying to say like hey I'm gonna do this for Jamie and I'm gonna do this for Casey and I'm gonna solve a problem for you and I'm gonna do what's best for the people but I'm not really gonna tell you what this is all about yet so I think she's trying to sort of package it up and push things in the way she needs them to go so that John and Beth don't really have much like they can say about it afterwards but that's not like them just to go along with it yes just it was weird with bringing Jamie into it. I was just like, okay, you know, is he going to help this? Is he going to hinder this? I think she thinks that Jamie is easily manipulated too. She hasn't met episode three Jamie yet. Right? <laughs> I hope she does. <laughs> Her motivation is like, okay, I can get Jamie to do what I need him to do. And if Casey's the livestock commissioner, then I've made John and Casey happy. And I think she's just setting this up in the best package possible. To present it to John. Like she says, an acceptable surrender. Right. I I think she thinks that John's not going to fight her on this one. And I just don't know how she thinks that he's not. Like you're going to like divide the ranch down the middle, basically. Like the way that they're building this up, it almost feels like there's no way out for them. Yeah, I agree for sure. Why that feels that way is actually the next point that we're going to talk about is Beth and Rourke. These two are sort of discussing that. Like, I mean, what are you going to do? There's not much you can do about it. Like, you you could spend a year in court. You, this isn't going to go your way is basically what he's saying. I love how he pokes at her every time about these, well, the militia. And the well, yeah. You ass- <laughs> he's like, you could assassinate me right now. <laughs> she said, don't tempt me. <laughs> I love that part. I love their, like, back and forth banter. I just love his voicemail. She calls him and you yeah. know, she gets his voicemail. It's like, hey, I'm either in a river or on a boat or I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Have a blessed day. No, he said blessed day. And she's like, she's like, what the asshole? Yeah. <laughs> Have a blessed day. Have a blessed day. And it's just how he says it. Like, it's just so, it's so funny. So nonchalant. He's, yeah. He's like cocky too. Beth has a mole in the, the governor's office. 
She's a smart lady, you know? Yeah, well, she's got all her bases covered, you know? Mm-hmm. So she's outside early in the morning with, with Rip and, you know, having a little conversation about, you know, like, the frontier and everything has to adapt, like, the, the subtext. And then, like, later on, she's smoking a cigarette with her laptop still in the <laughs> bed sheet. Like, obviously, time has passed. The sun is up. Yeah. And she's still sitting there. But she gets a phone call from the governor's assistant who's feeding her the information that, you know, the Ellis nonsense went down. So she knows. So she knows, but she doesn't know the where. She just knows that the meeting happened, right? I thought she knew where because... Did she? Yeah, because the secretary was like, they're building an airport. She says, I know. And Did she just want to hear Rourke say it then? Because I, I, so. I didn't get that the assistant was in the room for that. Yeah, I thought the assistant knew that it was going to be on the Yellowstone. Oh, okay. Ooh, we'll so, because we'll Beth sort of like cussed under her breath when she was on the phone with this secretary Mm -hmm. so i think that's why she goes to him is to try to just confirm it because like now they've bought up so much of the property around Mm -hmm. the paradise valley ranch development and her own family's ranch so that like where else could it be so yeah so maybe i gotcha yeah their conversation though basically resulted in just him saying like there's nothing you could do about it right like is that did you get anything else out of that conversation no I, i i really felt that it was just like here's the threat Here's here's what's really going to happen. You know, the threat and the plan for me were laid out. Now the airport is happening, not where they want it to happen. You know, and he calls her out on her bullshit too. He's like, you know, don't stand there, with, you know, with your mad eyes looking at me. He goes, you're just mad that we're doing this to you, and you've yeah. done this to you know countless so people. many other people. Yeah, you've ruined their careers and you've ended families. You know, all in the name of making money. And he's just, you know, he calls her out on it. I feel like like nobody's been that real with uh-huh. her and gotten away with it right <laughs> and not gotten punched like the shit kicked out of them yeah right but he does say to her to bring a proposal that's fair to her family right. so he doesn't want to be a dick about it i really get that kind of feeling is that he just knows that like this is going to happen it's going to make them a lot of money and like just don't get in our way well he keeps trying to say too it's not really him he just knows what's happening he's like it's not me yeah well yeah but he's like a hedge fund manager so he's like directing a lot of the capital and things like that so he's got he's got more of a hand in it than he's alluding to i would say he's on the inside track he knows everything basically without having to say it knows that the land is valuable he knows that the airport in livingston was not prime real estate for this but he knows where the prime real estate is yeah i i felt like he could have been so condescending and he didn't take that route because he was basically like we're going to be in court for a year with an army are you prepared to do the same can you afford yeah. that? And that's when he, you know, says like, you know, drop of a proposal that, you know, very fair for your family. So what are they going to do? Are the Duttons going to, are they going to do that just for the peace? Like John says, he's kind of done. He's retired. Like, yeah, like, I think there's all these little hints that like the Duttons may not really want to fight that hard, you know, or will they? Because they always do. There is another season after this. They are signed on for 2021. <laughs> I feel like they're going to have to gear up their army, you know? I mean, I hope they do. I hope they have some sort of crazy <laughs> stunt <laughs> that it's fun to watch. Surely they're not just going to sign on the dotted line. Yeah, I don't think it's going to go down that simply. <laughs> no, I don't think so. And I would hope not. This is the third episode in. And we've said this, like we said that this enemy feels a lot different because it's, yes. it's the invisible enemy. It's like, you know, we're going to kill you with law briefs. Uh, yeah. You know? <laughs> 
<laughs> Where is our lawyer? We need our lawyer. I here. know. We have a podcaster who moonlights as a lawyer. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> as a lawyer. <laughs> We're going to yeah. have to have him make a guest appearance on here because we got a lot of questions for him. I do. Like, if this gets a little bit more complicated, I'm going to need him to explain this to me because it's even the whole, like, the governor conversation with uh, Ella Steele, I had to, like, go back through that a couple times just to sort of grasp what they were saying. Yeah, so the, the whole meeting with Ella Steele and the governor was very technical. Yeah, yeah, because they were talking about, like, tax subsidies and, you know, land leases. And... Yeah, I had to Google after that. Yeah, it was just a, <laughs> there was a lot in there because it's how do you make it lucrative for the state? Well, the state has to make money and they have to bring in more money than they're subsidizing in taxes by a lot. I guess the main question for me about this whole deal is that they said they needed 12,000 acres. That has to come from the Yellowstone. I thought it was on the edge of the property mm-hmm. based on the map. And so I thought I was sort of doing the math. Like they said, it's the state of Rhode Island. So I was like, okay, well, Rhode Island's this many acres and 12,000 doesn't really seem like that much. It's a certain percentage. But if it's like you say, and it's like straight up the middle, that feels like a whole different story. Because it's basically going to split it into two separate ranches. Mm. Beth get one and does Casey get one? And by Beth, I mean Rip. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't see Beth out there mucking out a stall. No. I don't think so. So is John going to find out the whole story next episode and like... Like the action has to happen because now, like they put everything now front and center. We now yes. know we know how, the whole story. We know how big the threat is. We know how much it could potentially cost a year mm-hmm. a year in court, and the Duttons are going to have to come up with six billion dollars, <laughs> six billion reasons for the governor not to go with this plan. And I don't think John is that charming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's pretty handsome. He is pretty handsome. <laughs> So it could happen. You never know. Yes. Kevin Costner is aging like a fine wine. I will give him that. <laughs> yes. As all the Yellowstone fan gals think yes. on Facebook. Mm. Oh, my gosh. The comments about how good he looks is so funny. Yes. Uh, he was compared to George Strait the other day on Facebook. I saw that. And I see it. And I agree. Yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, that was a good I totally eye. see it. And, and the other one they're thirsty for is Rip. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, they are jump. very thirsty for rip. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I have a rip T-shirt, so yes, yeah, so, and you did. Send I me am that part link. of the fan I will, club. I will, I will be getting my own brand. <laughs> yes, I did. I got another Yellowstone T-shirt too. I so. want a cap as well. Oh yeah, I will not be sporting a cowboy hat in Long, in Long Island, but I will definitely. Wear <laughs> Come on, <laughs> you could wear it to Target. It'll be fine. <laughs> well, you know, if I get a big enough one, it could help with my social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. The Texan ones are called 10-gallon hats, so you got to get one of those. So, Sheila, I want to talk about our friend Jimmy next. Our sweet, innocent, stupid Jimmy. Uh, Listen, yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet, innocent, stupid, yes. Yeah. First of all, I didn't realize that he was sort of continuing on in this rodeo path. I thought that was kind of a one-time thing for him. Yes, I thought he, like, because he won, like, the money and, you know, sort of settled his debt. I thought that was it for him. Yeah, I did not realize that he was, like, actually rodeoing more regularly. But moving into, like, qualifiers and things like that. So, Which doesn't seem likely because most, I know someone who rodeos and he's, he was doing it since he was, like, literally six years old. So... You don't just hop on a bull at however 20 something years old and go to qualifiers. I don't think, especially based on how they portrayed Jimmy not even being able to ride a horse. Yeah. <laughs> but like Lloyd said, he's only good at staying on bucking horses. So. so I guess, you know, everyone has their niche in life. This is his. The way that that whole thing played out, he was just set up so badly. 
I know. For just disaster. So I have a fun little tidbit before we get into the sad stuff. Okay. His little buckle bunny. Yeah. Her dad is Josh Brolin. IRL. <laughs> For real? Yeah. So I was watching the credits. We kind of missed the fact last week that Jen Landon, who plays Teeter, who we'll get to, <laughs> is Michael Landon's daughter. So I paid attention to the credits this week and I was like, oh, Eden Brolin. I said, Brolin, that's a, yeah, that's a, famous, that's a famous name. name. Let's go on IMDb. And sure enough, she is Josh Brolin's daughter. No way. Yeah, way. Yes way. Yes way. No way. Yes way. <laughs> <laughs> So with Jimmy at the rodeo, I thought, okay, number one, your boss, like John Dutton, is like, hey, I'm going to come watch you at the rodeo. Like, okay, that's a little nerve wracking. Yeah, but after he just told him that, like, he doesn't approve of it. Yeah. (laughs) So he's like, well, what the hell? Let's go watch. First of all, John's there. Then he brings the whole family and the whole crew. Like, that's a lot of pressure. Minus Teeter and Colby. Yeah. They had to stay back. (laughs) Okay. So Jimmy, be a little bit more focused here, buddy. Come on. Yeah. I know the Buckle Bunny's pretty, and I really like that name. Maybe somebody could call me a Buckle Bunny one day, but I don't have a buckle, but that's okay. I don't really want one. But I'm sure, I'm sure we can get you one on the, you know, the, the Yellowstone I would like store. a cute little nickname, Yeah. but she was so cute. I liked their little flirting. I liked that part. It was part. adorable. She played it so well with being, like, embarrassed, but yet flirty. She knew what she was doing. It was so cute. Please. I loved it. She knew what she was doing. She was being all well, sweet yeah. and flirty and, you know. And then did you see his face when he was like, you know my name? Yeah. He was he was a smitten kitten already. He oh, was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. And he was just literally like focused on nothing but her. Looking her way. She was like, yeah, come on, Jamie. Right before he was supposed to be like bound mm-hmm. in. And damn it. He wasn't bound in. Damn it, Jimmy. I know. He, so he gave the nod and they oh, let the horse go. And he, He's ugh. like, no, I'm not ready. We record this prior to the episode actually airing, so I don't know if there's going to be any editing in from what we saw, because we didn't actually see anything. Yeah, they didn't show the actual accident. All we heard was a crash, like Jimmy out cold, then the horse. So I don't know if there's going to be anything different by the time this airs. We'll have to see. But that could be a lot of different things. That could be a spinal cord injury. That could be a brain injury. He's not even responsive. It's bad. Yeah. Very bad. Like, I was looking to see, like, when they opened up, like, the vest to see if there was anything. There was nothing. I can't imagine, like, being on a horse that's doing that. Like, I watch them doing this on the show, and I've seen – I haven't seen Rodeo Live, but I've seen it on TV and stuff like that. I just don't understand how people don't just break themselves in two just sitting on the horse. Forget falling off of a bucking Mm -hmm. horse. So They have like this vest that's protecting like their ribs. And they, I think they can wear helmets. I know the bull riders can wear wear helmets. Mm -hmm. They don't all wear helmets. But, and then the bucking horses, cowboys, they have some sort of thing that comes off the back of their vest that sort of keeps their head from going too far back. Okay. Which I didn't see on Jimmy, but at, at the real rodeo, that's what they have. Right. So there are some protective measures, but not really. I mean, you're, there's like this bull chasing you, <laughs> pounding on you, jumping on you, or a horse that's like trying to kill you. So, yeah, trying to like fling you off of it. <laughs> so it's not safe. It's, so horse, um, horse one, Jimmy zero at this point. We have the Houston Rodeo here, which is one of the biggest rodeos. And it's amazing to see the amount of people that show up for this. I go literally four or five times each season. I love watching the rodeo, the bull riding, the bucking horses. It's crazy to watch. Like I've seen some crazy stuff. I can only imagine. 
And the crowd loves it. Like it's, I mean, when they stay on for eight seconds, like everyone loses it. Yeah, I'm sure like the whole place must be like just. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's fun to go to, but I still think they're crazy. They are crazy. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Like, would you let your son do that? Hell no. No way. (laughs) But I'm telling you, girl, like this, my friend whose son has been doing it since they were young, they make money at it then they can use that money to buy horses and then they breed the horses and they make more money. So it's a very lucrative career. Keep a chiropractor on staff. Right, for sure. But I have a question though yeah. that popped into my head after I saw this poor Jimmy. So he carries the brand mm-hmm. and the brand promises to take care of you no matter what. Mm-hmm. So what happens if Jimmy is like an invalid? Like what if he's like permanently injured? Are they going to take care of him? Oh, I don't know. And like let him live on the ranch? and Or are they going to drive him to the train station? Huh. Yeah, they did give him the brand. So He has the brand. So that means that they've like inducted him into, into... like, we will always care for you. Right. We will take care of you. We got your back. So I was wondering that. I would say that they would keep him on. That they would find some way to make sure that there was a mouth fed there. I think so. Yeah. But it did cross my mind. The the Dutton Ranch doesn't strike me as like ADA friendly. I did have that horrible thought of like, oh God, what are they going to do with Jimmy if he's like not viable part of the ranch? So my thought when I saw this was that he is not dead, that he is going to be in an incapacitated state. Yeah. Like that I mean, it that to me was pretty pretty where final gonna go like i have nothing to base it on just like my own gut feeling yeah like i just i don't think he's dead i think he's gonna be quadriplegic or par- maybe paraplegic maybe not quadriplegic. Right. yeah you know i agree this looks bad so i hope it's not i hope that he recovers and can go flirt with his little buckle bunny that would be just better thoughts and prayers for jimmy you gotta hope that he's, yeah. he's okay and... <laughs> let's everyone say a quick prayer for a little, jimmy little, little prayer for jimmy <laughs> So that leaves us with our our new friend, Tater. 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 Her name. Well, it's Teeter. I know, but she but says, says Tater. So is it Tater talk or Teeter talk? I feel like this. Is- <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I like Tater talk better. Tater talk. Yeah, that just sounds yummier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we'll be doing this over some Tater tops. I was hoping I was hoping she was gonna have more of a presence. Exactly, me too. I wanted more of her nonsense on episode three. And can I say I actually understood her a lot better this episode out than I did the last yeah, one. Yeah, kind of. I don't know. Did she like <laughs> respond to peer pressure? I don't know what she say. But Facebook Land does agree that she does definitely does not have a normal Texas accent. Yeah, <laughs> that was some fun back and forth on Facebook with that one. Definitely. People love her, and then other people are like, that's ridiculous. She's like a lightning rod. It's like you're either in the love or hate camp. There's no in between but teeter. Tater. Teeter. Tater. (laughs) Well, I'll settle on something, all right? We should just call her teeter tater. Teeter tater. Well, now that just sounds kind of (laughs) dirty. I'm sorry. I had to say That's okay. We already have an E for explicit. We've said Uh, (laughs) We've had some bombs in here, so we're all right. Oh, gosh. I thought we would have a little bit more of her in the episode, but we just see her climbing to the roof of the barn. Yep. And Lloyd is just so tickled by her. Like Every time he looks at her, he's laughing, <laughs> which I find yeah. so charming. It's just so funny. 
So John meets Teeter, Tater. Yeah. So he's he's at the barn and uh, he's not impressed with the mouth on her. But, you know, Rip gives his endorsement again. I like her. So there's, yeah. there's something about her that, you know, he, he sees potential in her. We'll put it that way. I like that. He goes, yeah, but I like her. Yeah, but I like her. <laughs> he's not going to be dissuaded by her mouth. Yeah, she drops an MF bomb on, uh, on Jimmy mm-hmm. and then spits off the top of the roof. Very, very ladylike. <laughs> Right. So yeah, so she's got to like, you know, hold down the fort with poor Colby while everyone else goes off to the rodeo. Colby is not pleased. No, he is. He's not happy about that. (laughs) And I just love the razzing that these guys give each other. Like, yeah, it's completely like frat boy kind of like razzing like it just like that like that never goes away i feel with guys for sure never <laughs> and he's always i love how jimmy's always messing with colby about his mother yeah <laughs> he's like oh you left a mark on me your mother's gonna be really mad <laughs> <laughs> like what the hell yeah that's, so that's like funny. that's like 12 year old <laughs> right Jokes. oh my gosh so funny so tell me what happens with teeter and colby at the camp because honestly that's the part i kind of couldn't understand her but they were also speaking kind of quietly yeah because it was like nighttime they wanted to like spook the cattle i wasn't sure what she was proposing or like leading up to but she was trying to get him to like participate she was she was propositioning him for a back rub so she wanted to give him a back rub that's what i understood i don't know we'll have to understand we'll have to see what shakes out because she's not the easiest to understand <laughs> so i i think she says she's like I, I want you know do you want me to give you a back rub and he's like nah no no no. and then she's like well what, you want to give me one and he was like no 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 please stop. <laughs> and then so she's like i bet you want to plow them boys on my posters so inferring that he's gay and he's just like nope and she's sitting there and she's got her legs open <laughs> and he's like just can you not do that can you not he's like can you stop yeah <laughs> like rolls over <laughs> so funny so she's a horn dog so she's so mm. she is gonna rip through the bunkhouse right yeah she just That's has to so find funny. a willing partner <laughs> <laughs> I think they're she, afraid of her. I think they are. Oh, yeah, which is good, which is what th- the point is. Well, I like, too, how the other cowgirl, her name was Avery. Yes. She's, she's like, we used to work at the strip club, so she, like, walks in, and she's the same way. Like, she's just like, well, let's get this over with, and she strips down. It's like, okay, if you're going to look, here's what I got. Let's just move on. Yeah, exactly. I feel like Teeter would do the same thing. Like, yeah. just, what? You want to see? Okay, here yeah, it is. Yeah, here it is. I hope we get more of her nonsense, for sure. The Josh Brolin's daughter. So last week, um, when Teeter was introduced, uh, I didn't get the Landon connection, but I've since learned that she's Michael Landon's daughter. So Michael Landon from Little House on the Prairie fame and whatnot. Mm. So yeah, so she's uh, on the younger end of his nine children. Nine children, that man. <laughs> nine. Nine. Good lord. Yeah, not all How but the same one. I to... don't know, but he had. <laughs> He had a long career of being an actor and being a father. People around like my age will remember Michael Landon from yes, the Little House I do. Fairy I, and, yeah, I grew up um, watching that. Yeah, show. okay. So, but you know, like people who are younger than us be like, who? But when he passed away, actually, so we're recording this on July first. So this day in 1991, Michael Landon passed away from pancreatic cancer, and I remember my mom being so upset because you know he was an icon you know such a a prolific actor so you -hmm. know he was one of the the early celebrity deaths that kind of like marked a time for me right because of just like you know sort of like the the connection my family had so my mom liked him as an actor so she was you know she was pretty bummed about it so 
I like when you see an actor on a TV show and you're like, I know them from somewhere. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen the show Life in Pieces? Yes. Love that show. But the character Greg, I'm like, that guy, like, hmm. Well, it's Tom Hanks' son, Colin Hanks. So it's like, oh, I know, I knew I knew him. Yes. But they look, yes. they look the same. It's like. It's like what Tom Hanks looked at, like, look like in, like, Bosom Buddies time. Yeah. Really. So you're like, I but know the hair that guy is not from somewhere. quite as fake, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I do have one more question, though. So what happened to Rainwater? Is he gone? Is he back to the reservation and doesn't give a care? No, he's got to come back. He's, he's, he's pissed. He got that cease and desist order from, you know, Ellis in his mm-hmm. very condescending way last episode. No, Rainwater's going to come back with some force. Okay, good. Because I really like him. I do too. I like him. And a lot. I want, I was like missing him. Like, where is he? I want to know, like, where that piece of the puzzle went because, yeah, they just told him to stop and then we didn't hear anything else so i feel like that's going to be the angle that comes back like this is how the duttons and rainwater maybe you know fight back well yeah because john did have that conversation with them before about how they're going to have to band team together up. yeah mm-hmm. okay good but i, I know hope i hope he comes back for sure it wouldn't make sense to just exit him at this point there's nothing final about a cease and desist order where's our lawyer uh, <laughs> yeah. So, how long did those last? <laughs> right, and then like, what's the what's the appeal rate? <laughs> right. What's, can we appeal? So, one question I have is, where's the pregnant girlfriend of Jamie? Right. No. So now it's summertime, right? You know, in the Dutton Ranch because they're camping, and you know they're able to camp, so that means the ground is thawed. There'd be a baby due soon if she was pregnant, and it would be a Dutton. Yeah. So that would have the baby would have a brand of a different kind. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, does it have a birthmark? <laughs> a little D or a little Y. <laughs> yeah, Yellowstone mark. Yeah. A little birthmark. Is um, Jamie care about that? Does he want that baby in his life? Cuz at that point she she kind of told him like just nope, you're not involved unless you can sort of figure this out, be a better man. She was not impressed with him at all. Mm-hmm. So is he just going to bow out of that one and she's gone? Because or... I don't think he told anybody. It doesn't seem it like doesn't his It doesn't seem like he knows. told anybody anything. But I just also don't think that if he had a kid that he wouldn't necessarily like write it off. I, I think he would want yeah. it to be like raised in the Dutton tradition. Preview time, there was a, a link that went up in the Facebook group for Yellowstone. Something from the TV Guide. Apparently like the July, I think it's July 19th episode is going to show something about jamie and beth's feud oh yes yes so let me just check the date to see if i had that oh my wrong. gosh yeah july 19th wait. so it was it was tv guide they had like a little blurb and they were going to say uh, a large plot line between jamie and beth will be revealed yay so that is coming well that's good yeah so lots, lots like to look I'm forward ready to. For more Dutton drama. Yes, I feel like the cowboy hat is coming off next week. Yay. (laughs) Okay, good. I like it. This is Sheila. This is Steph. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse!